We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score! This hour brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. We haven't hit that phase yet. When we get back next week, we'll begin that phase. Uh, we're putting it all together uh, right now so that when I get back, we can we can hit that running. So we didn't really spend, we took the time the, that last week to uh, like do exit interviews and spend a lot of time with each guy. I made sure that I spent 20 to 30 minutes with each guy on offense to, to really dive into the process and make sure that we're, we're, we're giving them everything they need in order to be successful. Mully and Haw. Uh, I can't find this quote, David, but I think you found it. So what I was saying to you before the break is that I'm reading uh, all of the Luke Getzey stuff, listening to all of what Luke Getzey has to say, and I'm going through like every website on this stuff because I'm fascinated by the Senior Bowl and by what he has to say. And he talked about Justin Fields. He talked specifically about how the breakthrough in the offense this year was his running ability. But he has a caution to that as well. Well, he's acknowledging what everybody saw. And the reason that we are in Chicago excited about the future of Justin Fields was because of the breakthrough he made as a runner. He became only the third quarterback in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards. But he averaged a league low 149 yards passing. So Luke Getze was obviously addressing this at the Senior Bowl when asked about the future of Justin Fields the sustainability of a quarterback who runs that often. And Jason Leeser, in his story in this morning, Sun-Times, quotes him accurately here. It's got to be part of who you are, but it's hard for it to be who you are. You just don't last. He's really, really good at it, in reference to the running. He's really good at a lot of things. So we've got to make sure we just tap into each one of those things. But that, for sure, has to be a part of who we are going forward. End of quote. But that is the point, David, that you – it doesn't – it's not sustainable. And I think we've had this conversation a thousand times with Lamar Jackson and with different quarterbacks that attempt to run the ball. It is an unbelievable weapon. And if the less you use it, the more effective it can be. You just can't have that as the way you play quarterback in the NFL. Well, I think there's a balancing act here, and that this does it does mimic the conversations we were having during the season. But as you plan ahead, I I I know you can't sustain maybe 160 carries a year. I don't know that you want your quarterback right. to be in a thousand yard rusher and to lead your team in in rushing yardage. At the same time, you are not going to get where you want to go if you diminish that part of your offense. If you tell Justin Fields that he can't tuck it and run when coverage breaks down and you want to uh, you want to suppress those instincts, I don't think you're you're serving your offense or your team and you're not going to be that good because right now as a passer, he's not that good. 
And so that's the reality you have to accept. That's the balance you have to strike. Hey, Justin, go out and be heroic when it's third and long and nobody's open because we may need you to get the first down with your legs. But, hey, Justin, next time we, we would really rather you hold on to the, you know, try to, try to make, make the plays through the air because we don't want to get you killed. It's a tough thing to say because it sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth if you're an offensive coordinator for the Bears. Yeah, I, I think it's a difficult uh, position to be in because the, obviously the thing the guy does best is something that is not sustainable. It's a remarkable thing. I think Justin Fields got better as a runner as the year went on because I don't think he was that good when he was in college. He was really a great athlete. I don't know that he ever see, ran like that. See, and, you're, you're right, he didn't. Yeah. But now he does. So I understand why, you know, when Je- when Luke Getzey says you just don't last, he's right. Historical evidence provides that. But I think also you're, you're an offensive coordinator. Look around the league. There are 10 guys that got fired this year. You're Matt Eberflus. Look around the league. Your lifespan as a head coach may be, if you last five years, that's a long time. This, this idea of sustainability, everybody wants to talk about the next 10 years. Forget that. Right. Forget right. it. Right. I think that you have to think in the now. And that doesn't maybe, you know, right. that's not the way you want to budget. That's not the way you want to necessarily live or tell your kids to, like, hey, just worry about the now. But if you're a head football coach in the NFL, you have to think about maximizing what you have in terms of resources and talent right now in the next three years. Your window is a four-year window, realistically. Yes. Go out and do whatever's necessary to get as far as you can, as fast as you can. And, and I think that when you look at what they need to, to get the quarterback up and running, you need more weapons. You need protection. You know, they, they, if they really want to become this sort of fantastic NFL offense, and every time you hear from uh, Ryan Poles, he reminds you, remember where I came from, remember where I came from. Well, if you're going to run that Kansas City offense, you're going to need a lot more and, and you're going to need those things quickly in order to get them up and running by the time the season starts, right? you got to get to it. You do. And, and every time we, we refer to that, and, and I think that we, we are both guilty of doing this, he, that is what he said. He said it. And you want to you know, look at what that means. <laughs> but to me, I just, again, I, I hesitate to put too much into that because – where he came from is the franchise that drafted one of the five all-time best quarterbacks ever in Patrick Mahomes. That's where he's going to be. That's where he's headed. Yeah. He is a unicorn. He is somebody that is you, – know, you, you can't duplicate that. So I don't know how, if the logic applies that you're going to do it the way the Chiefs did it. No, oh, really? No, no. But, but my point is you got to get this guy passing better, and you got to do that immediately. Well, no doubt about that. And, and the only way to do that is to make sure you have your team together for him to start working with from, like, the, the minute the draft ends. A week later, you got to be getting him up and running with these guys. No and, doubt about and, it. And moving – you gotta you gotta improve this team to start that process. No doubt about it. But I think that would be true and obvious if the general manager had come from the Chiefs or the Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans. We were, we were running down your throat. You you see in Justin Fields somebody who is is special and he has greatness. Now to to make him the the kind of player and the kind of quarterback he can become. 
at the NFL level, you've got to have him make strides and improve at things he doesn't do particularly well yet, and that is throwing the football. So every waking moment that you have in the offseason and every kind of move that you make has to be with that in mind. And I, I, when he took off, he was unbelievable. It's when he was in these kind of drop backs, that's when you really got into trouble. That's, you know, when the, the worst hits he took were when they were moving the pocket and when the, like, just like when, when you actually just let him do what he does, he was great because he, it just got to a point where the guy was running for his life. When you tried to design more stuff for him, that's when you got into trouble. That's how did it, this, the shoulder separation was on some half hours, run the ball. To, uh, there's nowhere to go. Get out of bounds. Oh, my God, he got hit. Well, that's why you want to control as much as you can control. And I think that, as we said during the season and moving forward, this applies. When you design runs for a quarterback that you want to limit his exposure to hits that you that, that are going to knock him out of action, you it's it's almost like a, a dichotomy. It's, it's, it seems like yeah. in contrast, like yeah. – Run him more on sweeps and read options because you know where the hits are coming from when you do that rather than drop him back and put him in, you know, a situation like Brock Purdy found himself in where you're asking a backup tight end to block one of the best pass rushers in the league and boom, there goes your elbow. You don't want to do that. You don't want to make him a sitting duck. So it's odd in terms of logic. It doesn't really add up, but... The Bears can't resist this idea of having designed runs for Justin Fields because that might be the best way to protect him. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And I think that that is also a great way to scare the heck out of a defense. And when, you know, you we've talked about this. You're not supposed to be able to do what he can do on the football field. And when a team faces that, you know, it goes back to, you know, the, the Miami coach telling him, Hey, stop it. Stop doing that. Like, there's no way of defending that. So that, if you see him moving the way he can move, you're frozen as a defensive player. And it's, it goes back to what, uh, what you heard from Greg Olson the other day where he said that that turns a 4-4 four, four defense into 4-7, right? That, that change, when you have to be aware of that reality, that changes your aggressiveness and all the rest of it. So, it's a great weapon to make sure you use, but they they never complimented it with anything. Well, they that's could. a great example because that was in reference to Jalen Hurts yeah. freezing Fred Warner with the read option and the threat, and this is what the Bears want to do. This is the parallel track that they believe they, they can be on in terms of what the Eagles are, the Bears want to be, not only because Justin Fields – is similarly styled to Jalen Hurts. I think Justin Fields can be better than Jalen Hurts. But I think also because Jalen Hurts' progression is because the Eagles had an offensive line and a running game. The Eagles also had weapons. So when you are making that fake to Miles Sanders, the threat of Miles Sanders as well is what freezes the linebacker. And so yeah. you need a running game, a complete offense that makes your those opposing linebackers think about every conceivable possibility and that makes Justin Fields even one half step quicker than he already is. 312-644-6767. Matt is on the road. Good morning, Matt. Yeah, you guys have touched on a couple of things I, uh, I was calling about anyway. Um, but yeah, I think you have to be cautious when you say something about him not throwing the ball well. I think he throws the ball well. 
I think the issues are the fact that he doesn't have the receivers that he needs, and he certainly has not had the protection that he has needed to be able to make those throws. Um, so, yeah, it's not really a question, just commenting on, on what I heard you say. Well, I respect where you're coming from, Matt, and I think that you, you, you make a good point. At the same time, you can't ignore some of the gimmies the easy throws that Justin Fields make look difficult at times. The, for whatever reason, he has struggled with the, the lateral throw, the, the side screens, the kind of things that you see polished quarterbacks and passers hitting guys in stride so that you don't have to have that half-second hesitation waiting for the ball to arrive where it should, and that gives you yards after catch. That's the way – the, the best offenses do it. They have quarterbacks that hit you in time, on time, and they don't struggle with the, the easy throws. And once he conquers that challenge and gets over that, that little hurdle, I think then you'll see the rest of the stuff be more obvious and dangerous because he does throw a nice deep ball, and he can have the arm yeah. strength to put the ball where it needs to be in a tight window when necessary. But it's the gimmies that bothered me, Molly, this past season, like – you just saw him like, struggle with those things. And like, eh, there was a couple times every game where you kind of cringed a little. Yeah, that is a, that is a, uh, a true story there, David. I think that, again, you know, I would say he had a very successful st- season for a very bad team. And, and, um, and the success that he had didn't translate into victories because they had a really bad team. They didn't have a team that could stop anybody. They didn't have a team – that really threatened you outside of the quarterback's remarkable ability to run. Sometimes the running game would work, but was there ever a point where you felt like all he's got to do is get the ball to this guy and he's going to run forever? We, we have a lot of texters checking in saying things like, you know, the tight end would help him. If he's based on – they have a tight end, but they could use another one. If you had, a, if you had another tight end – I mean, they – you know, any the tight end is the quarterback's best friend. The tight end can get open because the the size and the ability, the muscle of a tight end makes them open, especially against defensive backs and and many linebackers as well. I would not be. Um, I I would love to see them add another tight end to the mix. I, I would and, too. It's not a priority to me it, though. It's not a priority, yeah. but I I don't see them having. I don't see the receiver out there that's going to be this dominant receiver. I would take as, as many weapons sure. in a passing offense as I could get. Ryan Griffin wasn't that guy as a component or right. compliment to Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet is going to continue to progress. My sense is that in this offseason they'll have a, a conversation about getting a long-term contract extension uh, for him because he's the kind of player you want in your locker room, and I think that he's the kind of – weapon that you can use in your offense. So I think that's going to be one of those things to keep an eye on. You you mentioned receivers, and and I don't want to go any further before ignoring this. I wanted to get to it the other day. This just really bugged me. It really bugged me when it came to – it's related to this conversation. A little maybe of a tangent, but, you know, the wide receivers for the Bears cost Justin Fields a lot this year. Drop passes, bad routes, you know, this kind of thing. And you remember uh, Amir Smith-Marset, oh the Vikings example, didn't he? Wasn't he the guy that fumbled and just did, or then he dry, had a drop and everything? It, it was it was bad experience as a Bear. You know he's in the Super Bowl. You know he's going to be. He he played in the AFC Championship game for the Chiefs. 
That guy landed on his feet. That guy is on the Chiefs roster. That's that. I did not know that. And I'm. Amir Smith Marset is a member am, of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm horrified to learn that. <laughs> um, so does he get an actual Super Bowl share? I mean, is he. Yes. He is going to get well, a big if, Super Bowl yeah. ring if, if they win. Well, if they. If, if It'll they, drop it. Yes. If he has to go. <laughs> if they have to go to him. <laughs> then, then you know the fly eagles fly because uh, the minute you need that guy, I mean, I know they're ba- banged up at wide receiver, and I know they need a lot. But goodness gracious, if they need him, forget it. Everybody Act- active it. roster. He was elevated to the active or to the fifty-three from the practice squad before the game. He did not. Um, he did not make the I guess uh, game day roster, but he was available to do so. He's one of those guys that could be bounced around. I think he's played in three games since joining the Chiefs after his unsuccessful tenure with the Bears, to be kind. So, yeah. yeah. I just oh, thought that, you'd that, enjoy that yeah. when we're talking about that, wide receivers. I don't, I don't know how that one slipped under my radar, frankly, because I had been keeping an eye out for that guy briefly, <laughs> however briefly. Jeez. Dustin, did you know that? No, he didn't. Amir Smith-Marset. Wow. Yeah. Hard to believe. That was awful. That was the that was the drop on the sideline. Remember that the interception, right? There didn't were he, several examples of, of receivers those... that let Justin Fields down. Dante Pettis, uh, Equanimity St. Brown. I so, knew that. I knew that part. But yeah. are you lots of wide receivers let Justin lots. Fields down? But but I mean, do all of them wind up in the Super Bowl? No. I mean, I, I guess the question is, are they are they unable to let down uh, Patrick Mahomes? Is he? Bad receiver proof? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, obviously. will coach him up. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, that receiving core, but back to a point that it's obvious this, this Super Bowl is that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, regardless of who was there this year and who wasn't Tyreek Hill, that they had a success in that scheme because of the scheme and the offense and the weapons and all the infrastructure, and then he did the rest. And I'm I'm looking at, at Twitter, uh, Bears Nation. Breaking news: The Bears have reportedly decided to keep QB Justin Fields as their franchise QB and trade back with the number one pick, as reported by Albert Breer. And other news: Water is wet. <laughs> that is like a non-news story when you when you think about it. And that fact that is the idea that they're sticking with Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, duh. Of course. Well, the Bears have been largely irrelevant this season. So there hasn't been a lot of attention paid by national reporters and and the national attention. Yeah, sure, Justin Fields made history, but I don't think that and and, and it had a breakthrough kind of year. But maybe this is just it's obvious to people who have been paying attention and live and die with every game and pay attention to every practice. But I think from the outside – it's kind of, yeah, it seems like they're late to the party, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. The Bears believe in Justin Fields for reasons we've identified, and Luke Getze reiterated yesterday they're going to try to find a way to maximize his skill set and try to win that way. But it's interesting because what he said yesterday is what everyone's been saying all along, and um, and we haven't heard that from the Bears, really. We haven't heard them kind of admit, yeah, we've heard like he's got to get better in the passing game. But we've yet to hear anyone say, you know, it's not sustainable if he keeps running like this. Yeah, and we heard that from that. That is, that is when he says that it won't last or you can't last. I I find that uh, newsworthy. Yeah, yeah, I do think that's a very 
a newsworthy quote when he says, you just don't last that way. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that you don't really have to worry about the next decade if you win in the next four years. Um, I also am seeing a lot on Twitter about Woodstock Willie. Are you familiar with Woodstock Willie? He is apparently our local answer to Pugsatawney Phil. Uh-huh. And it's in Woodstock, which is not far away in a very nice kind of old town. And Willie also saw his uh, shadow, which means six more. Now I got to go do some research on on whether when Willie and Phil are having the same response, is there a higher strike rate or are they both wrong? I mean, are they related? Well, I don't know. Distant relatives. Probably. Yeah. They're, they're None of it means hogs. anything. Okay. But, I, but sure. I do appreciate the... I do like the annual exercise uh, because it's, it's, you know, it's fun. If I had known about this, I might have gone and seen Willie. I didn't know about this. That would be a fun thing to have taken my children to when they were younger. Yeah, or not. Yeah, okay, or not. That's fair. Mercifully, they wouldn't remember it anyway. I'm going to tell them I brought them out there. How are they going to know? You talk about things that aren't news. Six more weeks of winter in Chicago on February 2nd. It's going to be cold in mid-March. I I think that it goes almost without saying that we can expect. Some of the worst snowstorms that you can remember happen (laughs) in March. Really? Because you just don't expect it. I thought they were all in The March snow is more frustrating to me than anything that, that happens in the middle of January. You know what's more frustrating than anything? It's the uh, the NBA with their dumb uh, last two-minute report. We're going to bring in Casey Johnson and ask him why they keep torturing us with this bad officiating stuff. Casey joins us next. Mully and Hall in the school. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, KC 
C. Johnson. Kobe White pull up three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give it on, soft. Covering everything from the dynasty to DeMar, K.C. Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mully and Haw. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. K.C. Johnson joins us now on the score hotline, which, of course, is brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. K.C., good morning. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? So we uh, we were talking about it. Yet another one of these uh, of these uh, final two minute reports comes through, and yet another uh, another ruling that yeah, you know, uh, Reggie Jackson fouled Demar Derozan. and there should have been a couple free throws. I, 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 do we even care about this? What is the point of this? Doesn't this just get you frustrated? <laughs> well, it gets Demar Derozan frustrated because he uh, not only argued about it in real time uh, so vehemently that he had to be restrained by his teammates, but then he also tripled down on it with us in his post-game comments and just was very matter-of-fact about it. I actually said to to our our, our beloved guy Cody Westerland uh, from your awesome station um, in the in the media room afterward, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Demar gets fined. I I mean he. he you know, clearly uh, uh, criticize officiating publicly. Um, I, I'm guessing, number one, it wasn't strong enough. Number two, he was right. So they probably looked the other way. I don't know, man. I, you know, some people hate the last two-minute report. Uh, I personally like it because I think it, you know, brings some transparency to the game and, and puts a spotlight on, on high-profile calls. I understand it does not. It's not the be-all, end-all. There are missed calls in the first two minutes of the game that impact the rest of the game. I, I get all that, but this is the arbitrary uh, time frame that they've chosen to analyze, and I, I think it brings an element of intrigue to the game, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, I, I think transparency without accountability is just regret. I, I'm tired of them because they don't mean anything, they don't lead to anything, and it just makes you feel more frustrated. But we could debate that another time. KC, a week to go before the trade deadline, I know what you have reported. I just wonder, does this change game to game? Does this change day to day about what they're likely to do? Because I think that's the way a lot of fans may look at it. Like, oh, I feel good about things today. But yes, after a loss, they feel like, okay, blow it up. What's gonna, what, what, what's the approach for the next week? Yeah, executives don't, don't operate that way. You guys know that. I mean, they can't. Obviously, they're frustrated by the losing, but you can't have a, you can't have a reactionary game by game reactionary, um, you know, philosophy to your vision or to, 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 to what you, what you want to do. So, you know, all, all, all I can go by is this, um, you know, he, Arturis has multiple times talked about continuity. So it's, it's clear that he believes in this core when it's fully healthy that continuity has not happened, obviously, because Lonzo Ball has not returned. Um, the executives I've talked to, and, you know, I'm not talking to them every day, so I, you know, this was probably three or four days ago I checked in with some people, and, you know, it doesn't sound like the Bulls are planning anything big. Everything is fluid. I mean, you can't you can't definitively say they're not going to make a move because a couple of reasons. If there's a offer that isn't, available now that is made available in the next week that that gives the bulls pause they have to consider that. that's their job their job is to try to do everything they can to make the bulls better i can tell you they're not actively looking to trade any of the first the, the top three players um 
but you know the right offer that can change that um the other thing i would say is you know two years ago there was not one word or one inkling of the nikola vucevic trade not one and then boom it just broke in fact i was actually on your guys airways with uh dan and layla when it when it broke um so you know he he does operate pretty quietly um but i can just tell you that um the 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 philosophy of continuity and believing in the core is not lip service. He does believe in that. Um, and we'll see how that plays out over the next week. So KC, we're trying to figure out this Lonzo ball thing. He's not coming back. They're going to have a meeting. You would imagine they'll shut him down. He still feels pain. They can't seem to figure out why he and his people can't seem to figure out why. I think Joe Colley was on the station uh, the other day and said he's had six different specialist or he's gone to six different doctors trying to figure out why he's still feeling pain. And, you know, my question is, is it possible he's done? Is it possible that not only is he done for the year, but he's not going to be able to play basketball anymore? Do we know that, that, I mean, he's, he's been out for a year and a half by the time this season's over. Right. So obviously I asked him that directly in Paris and obviously He's going to downplay that. He he did not express. I mean, all you can do is ask him directly, and then obviously work the margins to try to find out more. I asked him that directly in Paris. Do, do you feel? Are you worried about this being career threatening? And he said no. He completely downplayed it. He said he's making progress. He he's, remains upbeat. So that that's where you start. Um, I can just tell you, um, I have heard the same. You know, inability to figure out what's wrong when the people that I've talked to around the situation, because it's my understanding that, and I'm not a doctor, but it's my understanding that both surgeries, they felt fixed the problem. The first one initially repaired the meniscus when the bone bruise pain lingered, uh, did a bridement and, and LeVar Ball was actually on Stacey King and Mark Chanowski's give me the hot sauce podcast last night. He said the way he phrased it was there was a, a debris in the nerve. So, that's what a bribement is. It clears up loose bodies, you know, loose fragments of cartilage, et cetera. I don't know if, you know, LeVar is right there. I'm not a doctor. He's not a doctor. I would think he'd probably know what's going on with his son. Um, if debris in the nerve, that's that's what a debridement does. It clears that out. I was told they felt like that, you know, that debridement was successful. And that's where we're at. They don't understand why when he tries to run um, – he still experiences discomfort at times. It's not all the time, but there are multiple times where he does. The big uh, red flag to me uh, when we were in Paris was he said something about how, you know, this is not his normal gait. It's almost like he's like relearning how to run. And if you watch that video he put on Instagram, and this is just, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. This is just my own take or analysis. He, he looks like he's, you know, not running the same as he did previously. So, it's a mess. It's a mess. And you're right. Um, if you sit out this season, you're talking January 2022 to training camp of 2023 without an NBA game. Um, but, you know, I, I have not heard widespread, you know, this his career is over. I, I've heard speculation about it, but I have not heard widespread, man, his career is over. So it's hey, a mess. You, you hate to see it. Back to trade possibilities. I wonder what you think about this. If the Bulls are 
going to move one of the big three, and I don't know if Zach is tradable, but if they move one of the other two, would it be with the belief or is there any sort of um, thought that moving one of those guys might allow Patrick Williams to be more assertive and better? And you might get more out of him if you trade somebody who might be in his way and not blocking him from playing time, but but preventing him from having to take that step that he needs to take clearly to t- to to reach that next level of improvement for a 21-year-old former fourth overall pick. Yeah, my response to that is, first of all, he has started to play better with those three guys. And second of all, you know, this was all written when they made the bold move to get uh, DeMar on top of getting Vooch. Um, to me, their, their philosophy was – and this was our analysis. I, you know, they, they never detailed this themselves. Um, I'm talking about management, but a lot of beat writers uh, analyze the situation the same way. Um, Zach Levine is what now? He's 27. He's, he's kind of the bridge piece representing kind of a veteran, but also young, youth, athletic. And then Vooch and DeMar would be on the older end of that. And then you've got this new stable of young talent. This is all in theory, by the way. But you've got this new stable of young talent. Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Io DeSumo. You know, you develop them um, so that when DeMar and Vooch fade out of the picture, you've got a nucleus of Zach and this young talent fully developed. So that's why what I would respond to in that is that that's kind of already baked into the plans, but it's not like it needs a trade for that to happen. I mean, that's just going to happen organically over time. I mean, DeMar's not going to play forever. Luch isn't going to be here forever. Um, and I can just tell you that internally, you know, there's still quite a bit of belief with, with Patrick Williams. And, and he has played better from my seat over the last, you know, four or five weeks. You know, when you think about Vooch in particular, Casey, I know you wrote a, a, an excellent story talking about how – He's gotten better this year. He's been playing better. Um, and it made me wonder, like, he was playing that well the last time he was out of contract. Is that connected? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I wrote. I mean, in, in 17, 18, uh, you know, same thing. The Magic didn't really entertain seriously extending him in the prior offseason. Right. And he went out and had a monster year. And, you know, different different situation in terms of cap and – where the team was at, but then, you know, they, they lavished a four year, hundred million dollar deal on them. Um, the, the following off season. Um, so this is, Vooch has been through this situation before. That's why he's completely unfazed by all this. He's just like, I'm just going to go out and ball and, and try to win games. And, uh, that's what he's doing. Um, and you know, the thing that you got to keep coming back to, and this is why I've said all along, you know, the one of the, the one of the big three that I most have my eyes on is Vooch, just because, you know, I've, I've said this, and it doesn't take a genius to figure this out, but, you know, he, he can walk this summer. It, he's not a restricted free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent. Right. He can do whatever he wants this summer. So you obviously have to have an idea of what his plans are, um, get, especially given what you paid to get him. You have to have an idea of what his plans are this summer. Um, and if you have a strong feeling that he might go elsewhere, then I think you do need to, you know, see what you can get for him be, before the, de- the deadline. But, you know, the caveat to that is what team is going to give up a huge haul for a guy that, you know, unless they're assured they're going to resign him. So there's a lot to juggle. That's why those guys make the big bucks, those executives, right? 30 seconds, KC. Alex Caruso's market, is it exist uh, more than any other player on that roster? And do you think he'll be dealt? 
It is the biggest just because, you know, he's a plug-and-play guy for any team in the league, and he's got an incredibly manageable contract. I've heard like eight to ten teams have called on him. Um, I'd be surprised if he's dealt. Um, but, you know, it, I always say, you know, untouchable? Come on, man. It's like, you know, someone blows you away with an offer? That's It's your job to, to consider that. So um, I'd be surprised if he's dealt, but um, there are a lot of teams that are that are hoping that he is or at least trying to see if he's available. KC, thank you, buddy. Great stuff. Great catching up with you. Thanks, Appreciate KC. it. All Good right. Stuff. Take care, guys. See you, man. That is KC Johnson. Fascinating, really, when you think about where they're at. We're going to bring in uh, Chris Chelios. We'll talk to Chelly next. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Chris Chelios. Up the boards to Chelios with room. He shoots. Score! Bet MGM ambassador. Nice play by Chris Chelios. Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios is not human. I'm convinced of it. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame, I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Blackhawks legend. Chelios will add defense, but he'll also add offense to the Hawks. Steve Smith ahead to Murphy. Nichols at the line. Chelios moving in. Time Stanley Cup champion. What a competitor Chris Chelios has been over the years, and he's been a winner every place he's ever been. Chris Chelios with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports 670 The Score. Chris Chelios, like all guests, joins us on the Score Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, we're fired up, and obviously uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday. Tom Brady decided to retire, and uh, he did that just in perfect time with the uh, the new 80 for Brady movie. I don't know if that's connected. <laughs> Maybe he's coming back yet. Who knows, Chris? Yeah, I'm not going to believe it until next season until kickoff, so we'll see. <laughs> What's wrong with him? He's only 45, Chris. I mean, doesn't he realize how long you played? Yeah, he needs to suck it up a little more, win a few more Super Bowls. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> no kidding. What goes into that decision? I mean, you obviously uh, uh, were were able to uh, to play for a very long time, and um, how how difficult is it to keep going? How much sacrifice is it to just keep playing? Yeah, you know what? I, this is a few months ago. I was talking to a friend. And you don't think about that when you start playing a sport. You just play because you love it. Obviously, Brady loved everything about the game and took care of himself and, like, amazing career. But had I done it all over again, I'd probably be a musician because I could still be going. Like, when it ends, it's tough. Uh, You know, and and, and you don't think about that. And I hung on as long as I could, and I always said I'd go till the tank is empty. And I don't think that was the case with Brady. You know, it's just a different situation, not on a great team. And, you know, a tough way to go out, but he has, you know, nothing to prove and, you know, has all the respect of everybody. But, again, it's just plain and simple, like myself, I think he just loved the game and, you know, you, you don't know what to do. You know, I, I even contemplated going back another year, but, I, you know, I just decided at some point it's got to end, right? Oh, eventually, uh, you you lasted as long as uh, as you possibly could, and longer than most people did. Uh, Chris, we haven't talked to you since the passing of Bobby Hall on Monday. Obviously, a Blackhawk legend. How will you remember Bobby Hall, and what do you expect the Hawks to do when they resume play next Tuesday night? 
Yeah, I've, I've got a call from the, the Blackhawks yesterday, and they're going to honor him first game back after the break uh, at the United Center. I, I guess a video, but uh, like you know, most people my age, you know, I grew up. That's one of the biggest reasons I started playing. Crazy story. My father, you know, being in the bar and restaurant business, used to serve those guys, Stan Makita, Maggie, all those guys, and that's how I got introduced to hockey. They loved my father. They gave him tickets to a game, and, and the rest was history. I became a, you know, a Blackhawk fan and a, a huge Bobby Hall fan. And playing against Bobby Jr., you know, they played in Elmhurst. Uh, that's where they lived at the time in the late '60s, early '70s. And then, you know, being traded back to the Hawks uh, and getting to actually work with Bobby and and spend so much time with him and Stan and Tony and those guys. Like it's just a it's kind of tough. You know, he's one of the last, you know, of my heroes, uh, you know, and I'm talking about Magnuson and, and McKee and Tony and those guys. So uh, we lost a great guy at, you know, playing with Brett all the years, nothing but great memories in the way he, you know, no one affected, you know, no athlete in Chicago other than maybe MJ, you know, had that, the charisma that he had, and especially for a hockey player, you know, everybody loved him. Do you remember when he left? I mean, when it, I guess it was early seventies when he yeah, went to yeah. Winnipeg and 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 became the first million dollar uh, uh, athlete, I believe, at that point. Yeah, and then you know, obviously they signed Bobby Orr after that because of that, and you know, it takes guys like that. You know, Bobby was very outspoken, and 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 I, I'll, I'll tell you, Mister Wirtz, Bill Wirtz, actually said, you know, that's one of the, the thing he regrets was letting Bobby go. Um, and that was, you know, you know, years after, but, you know, it was just two, you know, guys, strong-minded guys in that time, but Bobby took a stance and, you know, what he did for hockey, you know, with expansion and then the new league and guys, you know, salaries escalating, you know, you know, every guy that's playing now, they, they owes it to him and, and, and guys like, you know, Ted Lindsay and they, they stood up for the player association. So it was tough and uh, you never think, you know, nowadays you saw Gretzky gets traded and all these top players get traded and, and moved. You never, you know, but at that point, those guys never moved. And Bobby, you know, the jump he made, I thought it was the worst day of my life when he left the team, like a lot of Chicagoans, but, you know, it, just, it happens. Speaking of that, Chris, this week that the Hawks have off because of the All-Star game on Saturday, don't they have to come to some resolution of what to do with Kane and Taze. We talk about it. We've been talking about it all season long. Don't they have to get back to work next week when the players return and have some sort of plan of action? Because I know it's a month to go until the trade deadline, but this this, this could be dragging on and already is kind of hanging over their head. Yeah. I mean, don't forget, they both, you know, it's it's their decisions. It's Taser's and Kaner's decisions if they want to move. And it's got to be you know, I went through the same thing, a different situation, because like we talked about it before, I didn't have the success that these guys had. You know, three Stanley Cups, you know, Kenner arguably going to, you know, break every record out of any Blackhawk if he continues to stay here. Um, it just remains to be seen. You know, there's all kinds of rumors, but I tell you, they got tight lips, and I I see Kaner all the time, but we do everything but talk about that. And, uh, it, I, you know, only they know. No, you know, and, and once they give the Hawks a green light to shop them around, if that happens, you know, then it's going to happen quick. Like it did for me, I, you know, it took three days for me to get traded once I agreed to, to waive my no trade clause. So plenty of, I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would love to have those guys for this playoff run. 
but it's just, you know, it's, I hate thinking about it, quite honestly. I, I, you want them to be, be Blackhawks the rest of their career, but that's just the way the game is today. What did you think of the Super Bowl, the, the two teams that are matching up in that game? Were you surprised by the turn of events, Chris? And, you know, obviously the first game not very good. The second game was excellent. Yeah, tough break for San Fran. They ended up going down to their fourth-string quarterback. That's that's a tough break. Um, you know, Philadelphia had a great year. You know, people kind of expected them. Buffalo was a, one of the disappointments for me. I thought they really had a, this was going to be the year with Allen. But uh, not the greatest bill, <laughs> billing, I don't think, KC uh, and, and the Eagles. But you know what? The Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. It's, it's everything about the game uh, other than the game. Just like kind of like this all-star game in Florida. It's, it's a great event. People travel all over the world and the country to go see it. It's a, the whole week before parties and, and stuff like that. So it's in Phoenix. It's a great destination with the waste management golf thing. It's going to be a fun week. How was your birthday? How was your ski trip? I'm still celebrating, guys. It's just a two-week binge. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I yeah, it. it's like, yeah, it's been great. I, you know, started out in snowboarding, and now we're in Florida for the All-Star break, and uh, got the kids. Did the Disney World thing for the first time in my life. I'd never been down there, so I'm enjoying it. I, you know, I thought it'd get old, but what the heck? I'm going to run this one for two weeks. <laughs> That's awesome, Chris. Thanks a ton. Great catching up with you. Thanks, Jelly. All right, guys. Take care. That is Chris Chelios. Two weeks seems fair. That's not, why not? When you're uh, when you played in, into your late forties, that yeah. you can you know you want to savor every first birthday. First time at Disney. Uh, that's pretty. That's wild. a surprise. How old were you the first time you went to Disney? Down in Florida. Oh boy, I was I was young, but I don't think I've been back. Yeah, I'm not a big Disney guy. Huh. My son. Well, we went to, we went to Disneyland in California. We never been to oh, the one in Florida one. with him. Oh, really? Yeah, never wanted to go. My first time in Disney was with the NBA All Star Game, and let me tell you something. That was one of the best parties I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> they had the what? What is the one with the with with the Mickey? You know the the movie one, right? There's like three different Hollywood uh, studios. Hollywood studios. So you you they picked you up at the hotel. Okay. You took a bus to Hollywood Studios. They had a red carpet out, and you walked the red carpet, and, like, literally people were like, oh, my God, that's him. There he is. Like, they had no idea There's who you more. were. But they were paid to, to like, honor you, huh. which was phenomenal. Then you go into the park. Every ride is open. Still, Everything's right? free. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> so you, you would, like, go, you like, every restaurant, every bar, every place was free. You would like just go get a cocktail. They had people walking around with cocktails, and they had people walking around with dessert trays and stuff. And you would just go. There were no lines. You get on every ride. You came on. I mean, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever uh, done. Went, sat down in a restaurant. It was like the Italian restaurant, and I was with uh, a friend of mine. And Chuck Daly's at the table next to us. It was just unbelievable. It was just everything completely comped by the NBA. Best party. And those you've are been the best, to, you've been the to, best parties. You've been to tons of parties like that where they yeah. have, like, you know, some shrimp and, and, and a cocktail. This was Disney. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Nice. Single best party I've ever been to. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a statement. Gatsby there. couldn't. The way that you party, that is quite a statement. Oh, yeah. It, it, one, the very only party I've ever been invited to. And I, <laughs> I crashed it. 
312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.